0: thanks for joining me today. How are you doing? Robin, always good to join you. I'm doing well. It's it's a hot one out there, Robin. Man, I'm one of those cold weather guys. I cannot wait for autumn to get here. How's things on your end?
1: Hot. I'm red-faced. We're going through another heat wave in the UK. It's currently, what, 95, according to the the thermometer, 95 Fahrenheit, which is too many Celsius. You know, these buildings are designed to keep heat in because it's cold and wet and awful. So I can't wait until autumn comes about so we can frolic in dried brown leaves and there enjoy our That's PSLs good. and smile That's and take true. it easy before the, <laughs> the t- December season creeps up on us and drains That's the bank. True. Yeah, That's
0: true. That's the way.
1: Enough. But uh, anyway, Bill, what's been keeping you busy recently?
0: Well, you know, I've been having a little bit of fun lately, Robin, in uh, spending some time on the dark web. It's always an interesting place to be. Be careful if you're out there. <laughs> But taking a look around, I actually saw something recently that caught my eye and I wanted to share it with you a little bit and talk a little bit about maybe what that has to do with organizations. So um, you've heard of the application called Telegram, right, Robin?
1: Oh, indeed. I believe we talked a little about Telegram last week as well. So nice end-to-end encrypted conversations only used for legal matters. Of course. Of Of course, course. of course.
0: not sure. What's nice about it, though, is it also has functionality, although it's kind of a chat functionality, but you can essentially create, I I think, for lack of a better term, you can call them channels where you can put posts out there and people can reply and so forth. So yeah, multiple uses for this one. and, And the fact that it's got the end to end encryption ensures that all of the legal things that are being done are protected. But let me tell you what I found actually on the dark web. So there was a Python script that was advertised by an individual called first comment. And I was intrigued by that. What does that actually mean? So this Python script is specifically written for telegram and it could be yours for the very, very low cost of 66 us dollars. So you can just buy the script and, and you're good to go. So of course I've got to know what this thing does. What does this script actually do? So I find out that the script can actually attach to, you know, any active or, or dot session accounts in Telegram. And, and here's what it does, Robin. When people make new posts on Telegram, it can make the first legitimate comment on that post automatically. In fact, it can even do more than that. It'll even tie in with chat GPT and mm-hmm. it'll make the first comment and it, it actually looks intelligible. Right. It doesn't look like, uh, you know, something that's scripted or whatnot. We'll even utilize spin tax to kind of vary the text a little bit to avoid detection that it's actually a script. It's a bot. Right. That's making the first comment. Mm -hmm. So there you go. That's uh, that's something that it can do. And it'll even take a delay function so that it becomes, you know, comment number two or number three, (laughs) whatever the case may be. So naturally, as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking, why? What's the point, right? Why do we want to do that? Well, you know, I didn't have to go very far because the, uh, turns out to be a threat actor, uh, is, uh, very descriptive on the things that it can be used for. And what this, this script can actually do is after it lays that comment down, it'll sleep for a while and then it will change the content of that comment into an ad. Oh, right. Right. So
1: now
0: now we have an ad. And of course, that means that subsequent readers who begin to go down through that thread are going to see that ad. They're going to see that it wasn't removed from the post. So sure, it seems like it's legitimate and Mm -hmm. they may potentially even click on it and boom, there you go. Now, look, Robin, this is this is nothing that an individual user can't also do. We know this. Right. Mm what I found interesting about it is it's a script, it's a bot and it can do it really fast and really broadly. So that's really the advantage of the script. And, you know, I got to thinking about all the possible uses and, uh, (laughs) you know, happened to be having an online conversation with a threat analyst recently. And this analyst said, you know, Bill, telegram really is the new dark web. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I thought, Boy, you know, I'm, I'm sure the folks at Telegram aren't thrilled with that, but uh, yeah. So this is uh, again for $66. Any potential threat actor, even Script Kitty, can can pick this up and begin to do some pretty interesting things with Telegram and in, in trying to direct traffic over. So, of course, mm-hmm. w- why do businesses care? Right? Sure, we understand end users, but but why do businesses care? Well, obviously. This could lead to things like credential theft. It could lead to, uh, you know, pulling down malware. It could lead to any number of things. And so what do organizations do to protect for something like this? Uh, for $66, right, a threat actor can go do this. And, you know, we're going to fall right back to what we've always said, Robin. It's it's a secure web gateway if you want to mm-hmm. prevent your users from accessing Telegram, Uh, We can utilize CASB to ensure that if they go to Telegram, it's a certain full path URL, use an intrusion prevention engine to analyze the DNS requests coming out of the ads. There's, there's a number of protections, but we need to be aware of this simply looking at some of these things as end to end encryption, as we talked about in our prior episode for chatting, that's one thing, but the fact that these chats can be non ephemeral chats essentially posts and comments uh, that that's a great opportunity right it's essentially an attack surface uh, mm-hmm. that can that can compromise your end users so uh, just wanted to kind of share that with folks I think that's something to be aware of and you know having a a solution to protect not only your your traditional organizational assets but particularly your remote users who are bringing their own devices, maybe already using these applications when they're onboarded, it's going to be very important to have that full context sharing uh, capability available to identify when things like this happen. So, yeah, that's the latest one from the dark web for you, Robin. Yeah,
1: I loved your sentence or your statement that Telegram is the new dark web. I I love Mm. that. I love that. I would go as far as saying that there's no such thing as the dark web anymore. It's the grey web, the regular internet. There's so much illicit activity happening in plain sight and plain transaction that it's more getting easier and easier to both deceive and to conduct illicit activity across That's public right. channels. In the That's past, right. you'd have to use like Tor nodes or onion routers or really kind of hide away from the public internet in some form. But That's now right. that most of these exit nodes are being monitored by services, and sure. there's no legitimate reason for people to be accessing it. And I say that in a very broad sense. The majority of yeah. people using Tor are generally up to no good. Mm. It's easier to hide in plain sight. And even with just switching the the comments, you can see people's Twitter or X accounts frequently being hacked and then wild, um, illegitimate URLs are being posted under the guise of legitimacy and people are clicking on that. So right. it's we- nice to see that <laughs> people are exploiting now the free accessibility of the internet.
0: You know, I, was- I, it's so, I I love what you just said when you said gray web and you talk about legitimacy of traffic. You know, uh, I, I think of various ephemeral operating systems. I think of, like you said, the onion router and the fact that it gets monitored for illegitimate activity. And I, I think we need to color that in a little bit more, Robin, because sometimes what is considered illegitimate activity is maybe illegitimate under the letter of the law, but it could also be journalists trying to communicate from an oppressive regime. So socially mm-hmm. speaking, it may be acceptable. And and so whether you're talking about threat actors, or you're talking about folks who are trying to further the social good, they all have seen the the effectiveness of, of in a, sort of creating mm-hmm. that that gray web like you said right where mm-hmm. where legitimate applications can be used for for good or for harm look there's a lot of debate going on in the united kingdom right now concerning end-to-end encryption and being able to monitor that for for very for noble reasons robin but also mm-hmm. that breaks down the sense of privacy so yeah Indeed. i think you're right i think it's it's very interesting the way this continues to evolve i think it'll always do that and you know, just threat actor one hundred and one, right? When you go to school for threat actor one hundred and one, I'm sure there's got to be a, a a college course out <laughs> there for threat actors.
1: I'll tell you what like. you like. Know,
0: right. Yeah, right. <laughs> but you know, threat actor one hundred and one says, "Look, don't come from a malicious URL." Right? The people are going to know that. Don't there, there's you don't want to be obvious. You you want to be as inconspicuous as possible. And it, you, you call to mind, Robin, and I'm sorry to go off on this diatribe, but I, I loved what you said. It, it, it brings to my mind the fact that we have so many folks who make massive investments in cybersecurity, but they don't inspect any of their encrypted traffic for their business. And I think, well, how do you think the threat actor is going to get in, right? That's exactly the channel that they're going to want to take. They're not going to come in in plain text where you're going to catch it, right? You need to start thinking about this from a, a much more holistic standpoint. And of course, the the privacy versus security discussion is going to happen. So,
1: yeah. Absolutely. Remember, there's a reason we call it a Trojan horse or a Trojan, That's right. because a Shady payload is encapsulated within something that looks lovely, and the same happens with HTTPS. I myself was it was was in a discussion with a security practitioner uh, two days ago now, since Sunday. Sunday, yeah, recording this on a Tuesday, yeah, that makes sense. And he said that about forty percent of his traffic will not be inspected with TLS inspection. The organisational policy says that you cannot decrypt that traffic, and it has to remain end-to-end encrypted. And To me, that sounded like a very conflicting environment because the Mm. traffic that he didn't want to inspect has the significant business impact, the the largest business impact, so that if this was hijacked or stolen, it would have a significant financial impact on the bottom line and would probably lead them to being in the papers and having news articles Mm. against it. So in many ways, having that level of trust to decrypt the packets, to inspect the data, and then have visibility and control it's a lot safer than leaving it sealed up. So yeah, that's true. That's true. That challenge between security and privacy, and depending on what you should do and what you are doing, that's a constant challenge and fight in the security world.
0: It is. It is. Well, yeah. very interesting. So, I mean, it. You sounds like you were talking to a, a threat analyst, a security analyst. Sounds like you might have been doing some exploring yourself this weekend. Tell me what you mm-hmm. found.
1: Yes, yes. Well, this weekend I was just talking to um, some somebody about the Cyber Book of Knowledge, or Cybok. Uh, there's a new version, a new framework of the Cybok out. Uh, there's lots of different types, so we were looking at the, the different tiers, the different approaches, and reviewing some of the recent addendums as the overarching Cyber Book of Knowledge. If folks aren't aware of that, you can Google cybok, C-Y-B-O-K.org, and there's tons of great resources if you're starting your way into the world of cybersecurity. so, so good. So this information is open source, online. It's free. You can go and look at it. We, they're freely giving it away. But you know what also is freely available on the internet, Bill? Talk to okay. me. Oh, personally identifiable information, usernames, passwords. and
0: Yes, words. yes.
1: So, what languages do you speak, Bill? Uh,
0: so, I'm a native English speaker. I also speak French and Norwegian. Those are my three. And a little bit of Hebrew, but uh, nothing to brag about at all. <laughs>
1: you you forgot one language. You forgot the language of security. Ah. Oh. Ah, oh, I, I caught you. I caught
0: you. <laughs> I'm so ashamed. I'm so ashamed.
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> Now, the language of security is something that people learn. And if you're picking up Norwegian or French or English, you know, it doesn't just appear to you, you have to do spaced repetition, you have to learn. And one of the great ways of learning is a platform like Duolingo. So myself, I use it to, I'm learning Swedish, I'm learning Japanese. It's great. It's a great platform to slowly give you new bits of information as time goes on. But that freedom of accessibility is a little bit of a challenge. So recently there was a handy dandy breach for Duolingo's data. Now mm. 2.6 million user accounts or user datasets were released and came across or was posted on a, a fun website called the Breached Hacking Forum. Now the Breached Hacking Forum, don't go and Google it, don't look look it up, it's full, full of nonsense, don't do it. 2.6 million user data sets were on sale for eight site credits. Now, eight site credits, if you wanted to just buy the $2.6 million, that translates to $2.13 for 2.6 million user data sets. And there was a lovely, lovely shiny post, and I quote verbatim, Today, I have uploaded the Duolingo scrape for you to download. Thanks for reading and enjoy. That is the handy dandy post. Now, if you wanted to purchase it, you could do it directly through the forum's e-commerce site, or you could use Tox. You could send somebody some crypto, some way to get that data. Now, this is a bit of a scary thing. Duolingo is trusted. Duolingo is one of the biggest language learning sites everywhere. You have the mobile app, you have the websites, Mm -hmm. and you have all of those memes where the Duolingo bird breaks into your bedroom at 3 o'clock in the morning because you forgot (laughs) to practice your beginner Spanish that day. That's right. Now, now, this data, all of this sensitive, really deep dive stuff was scraped using just an exposed API interface. So a little bit of code, publicly accessible. Now, this API interface has been shared openly since I think March of 2023 and researchers tweeted repeatedly on how to use the API to get your data out. Now, this API call, this programmatic call allows anybody to submit a username and retrieve a simple JSON output, a a plain text formatted output containing the user's public profile information and some extra bits. However, it's also possible to feed an email address into the API to confirm it's associated with a Duolingo account. So even right. if you don't know, you can say, hey, is Bill a, a Duolingo user? If the answer is yes, then we can extract more information and from that start moving forward to be socially engineered. Right Now, I know a few of the listeners might be thinking, it's public profile information. Why should I be worried? This is information we're freely giving to the world. What do you think the pain points are, Bill? Why should people be concerned?
0: Well, this is kind of the first step on so many different things. On on credential stuffing, it's it, it certainly is uh, a revelation of private information, right? Your name tied mm-hmm. to an email address. Boy, we we've only just begun. Now, now we continue to use open source intelligence, tie it to social accounts. Robin, the 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 possibilities are are endless.
1: <laughs> they are. They are. And people have been taking those credentials and doing exactly what you've mentioned. They're doing credential stuffing. They're trying the same password on multiple different sites to see if you can get in. Um, maybe if you have access to an email address or you know an email address is compromised, that's just another step to exposing that data. So the more you know about person, the more you can use against it. And it's Duolingo is apparently aware that's available the website have been scraped but it's not just duolingo that falls foul to these plays website right. scraping or credential scraping just going and grabbing as much data as possible from a location is valuable mm. now it used to be if you were cycled back into the 1980s you had the idea of a jock going to the nerd and saying oh give me your your dinner money or i'll punch you Right. Now it's the other way around. Now it's the nerd threatening the jock of, of give me a dead data money. Otherwise, I'll expose your uh, your email address, your your personal account information, where you live, who you live with to the world, and I will dox you. I will expose mm. you that way. So those folks now have the power. And the more data you can take from these websites, the more it can be used against. Now, right. I remember a few moons ago, uh, do you ever remember a social network called MySpace?
0: Well, yeah, I'm pretty sure I remember that. Yeah, 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 way back when
1: they had a scraper issue, very similar. So people yes, could did. freely download all of the profile information in a handy dandy plain text format that you can then send to somewhere else. Now, MySpace, for those who are either not not social media during its heyday or were born after its demise, because unfortunately, Bill, children born in 2003 are now in their twenties. So that's right. yay. Uh, It makes me feel old, even though I'm not too old. (laughs) Right. Uh, So all of that data was taken from a social platform. And this was in the the era where people weren't really aware of what to share on the internet and what not. There wasn't that level of social etiquette. So people were posting the names of themselves, their pets, their brothers, sisters, families, their thoughts, their hopes, their dreams, and their fears. And all of that could be freely scraped from the internet. Now, if I was to intend you harm, Bill, and i was to gain all of this data you are now a target for me i can That's have right. i can build up a great social engineering case or a personal case to either extort you blackmail you or provide or get enough information to start what's the word um attacking your business mm. everything mm-hmm. you put out there will be used against you but right. scarily people don't expect this with duolingo because hey i'm just trying to learn a new language and it's right Hey, what I'm saying, Bill, is I'm I'm just scared again.
0: <laughs> I'm scared, no, I I'm get scared. it. you know, I'm not panicking. This this whole topic of of API security, and look, I'm trying to take the human part out of it because I I, I don't mm-hmm. want to shame anybody, but clearly a decision was made to expose a public API where there's PII. I, I'm I'm still trying to wrap my head around that, but <laughs> API security is. <laughs> it's so important. I mean, you're essentially leaving a port hanging out there in effect, right? For, for people to plug in and off they go. My goodness me, between, between exposed APIs or those who expose their keys by putting them on public cloud providers. (laughs) I I used to have hair Robin and it just, I, I don't, I just, I pull it all out. I I don't understand that. So I'm a little puzzled. I'm going to have to take a sip of iced tea and, Think it over.
1: Uh, If I had a dollar every time somebody sent me an API output with their private key already embedded in, oh my gosh, yes. uh, I'd have enough to buy quite a few lattes. Not enough to retire on, but hey, it's scary. It's scary. API security is something that is becoming an expanding area of concern in the cyberspace.
0: Most definitely.
1: And you have companies establishing, I'm not going to mention companies' names right now, but if you just Google API Sec. They drive a very compelling argument that as everybody moves more towards an AI focused or a GPT style mm-hmm. focus, automation is key. And we yes. all know that the CLI of yesterday is dying. Right. So in the past, it could have been that if you want to get into networking, you do your basic entry cert, you sit in the CLI, you do all of the coding, and then when you're finished, you become a terminal jockey. But that's going <laughs> right. away. Everything's right. being simplified. But right. the next iteration or the right, the network architects of yesterday or the, the terminal monkeys are now becoming coders with the rise of CloudFormation or Terraform or Ansible or API. All of this is in the new future. So we need that's to right. start looking at API security as part of the holistic view around security. So, hmm. once you've adopted a full SASE model, I don't know, I'm bringing it back to SASE. You know, I love SASE. I've written the book on SASE. <laughs> yeah, of course, you do. You wrote the once, book. wrote the book. <laughs> so, if once you've adopted that converged model where you have your networking and security together, you still need to understand what are the touch points for API. You need to look at your supply chain to understand all of your vendors in that supply chain. How do they do API security? What level of data access do they have? And slowly but surely build up that granular picture. But, That's right. Unfortunately, Bill, it all does boil back down to educate your users because it's far, far too easy for people to give away the keys to the castle. No matter how good your portcullis, no matter how strong your drawbridge, if somebody says it's safe and they've been duped, then humans will break it
0: down. Robin, you get a $50 bonus today for using the word portcullis. Well done. (sighs) Thank
1: you. Thank you. (laughs) It was my word of the day. There you go. That's right. That's right. (laughs) No, you're, you're very right. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, Bill. Well, thank you for today. It's been good. And Always until pleasure. next time, yeah. you stay safe out there. Take care, Robin.